We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, folks, in this week's episode, we're talking KU football with Scott Chasen, and we're also finding out about his new show coming to the Kansas City Sports Network, Booth Review, coming next week. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. All right, folks, before we get going with today's episode, we got to talk about our title sponsor, Emprise Bank. We've said it every week. They've got the, uh, the free ATM withdrawals. You don't got to deal with fees. They got the great app. They're great online. So just use Emprise Bank. Now more than ever, who you're banking with is more important than where you're banking. Emprise Bank has been with us since the beginning of KCN's Partner Impossible. They are member FDIC and they're our title sponsors, so go show them support. But let's get into it. We uh, the the listeners have been asking, boys. They've been asking. They want they want a KU football pod. I guess football buzz is finally starting to trickle in for folks. So we we decided, you know, instead of uh, us trying to BS BS our way through a football episode, we had to bring on somebody that knows his stuff. He's covered the team. He. He's as good as it gets when it comes to Kansas football knowledge, and he's bringing a new show to you guys on the KCSN channel along with our guy Kent Swanson. We've got Scott Chasen here with us today to go over a little KU football. Uh, he'll be hosting the Booth Review with Kent. I get that right, Scott? You sure did, and that was Kent's name, by the way. We spent a good week brainstorming names. He came up with the best one. I like that. Well, that kind of leads into something that we talked about earlier. Like, yeah. So... We love the nickname The Booth, but we know that there's like a lot of kickback on that. Some people hate it. Some people like Memorial. Do you like, are you all in on that nickname with us? Or are you kind of a standard Memorial Stadium, David Booth? <laughs> Do you hate it? But obviously your pod's The Booth. Is that like for the He's stadium or like the, the replay booth review? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, look, even if I didn't like it at this point, if it goes away, BJ <laughs> might fire us. So uh, yeah. I guess we got to hope it stays. No, I I never had a problem with it. I thought it was a little cheesy. And it's funny, like you're nicknaming it after a rich dude who put his name on the stadium, basically. But I think it's a cool name. I think it's catchy. And 
I, there's some debate about whether it actually, how it actually started and where it actually came from. At some point, someone uh, in the KU admin told me it was a Jeff Long idea. So I, I don't know. I think it's a good name. Though, oh, Jeff that Long. makes me mad at Jeff Long because uh, we like to say it started right here on this very podcast. Yeah, AB a- claims he started it, which AB was the first person I ever heard it from. But that would be a Jeff Long move to like take an I, idea and be like guys I told jeff long what i came up rally with and like mission i was like hey dude we're starting at the booth and he like said it to like everybody and all of a sudden he's saying it all the time hey shout out jeff long but all right so let's get into the episode we got to talk about i don't know so i don't know where to start i guess i want to start with what we saw this off season i think from a ku fan standpoint we saw quite a bit of excitement there's definitely been some encouraging news you see us go out we we i would say we did pretty well in the transfer portal we the big names are kai thomas uh craig young from ohio state but i guess scott would you how would you rank or give a grade to what lance and his staff did this offseason and when it came to improving this this roster well, I think if you give them a grade, you start with the transfer grade, because I don't think you'll see the fruits of the high school recruiting efforts, um, at least for a couple of years. And maybe if the team has more success, you know, uh, for all that he didn't do well, one thing Les Miles did do well, he recruited high schoolers at a really high level. And that started immediately. I mean, he landed high school guys who went, you know, when he left, ended up transferring to SEC programs on defense after redshirting a year and playing one season where, you know, Tennessee, Auburn. Uh, South Carolina felt like those guys were good enough to play there. This is a little bit different, but Lance Leipold has been, I think, throughout his career, a guy who's relied on evaluation, talent development, and kind of not being the smartest guy in the room, but being able to see something and having his staff see something that other guys haven't seen. And it's really a natural fit with the transfer portal, which is where Kansas football lived this offseason. I mean, if you look at some rankings, I know 24-7 sports has them in that kind of top 25 class range for transfers. So um, I think from that aspect, it's it's a, a big success. But I think for high schoolers and, and building the program that way, I think that'll take a little bit more time before you can probably grade it accurately. Um, yeah. So with with all the transfers coming in, are there certain guys you think, like who are some guys you think will play a big role? And then I guess who are some transfers that you think could be like, sneaky and contribute a lot their first year here well I think a lot of the transfers are going to play and I I was just writing them down I make like a little I keep a running depth chart I don't know if (laughs) it's it's not always like great it's it's a too deep it's not a full depth chart I'm not getting past like three four five guys depending on the spot but I I started just listing out the transfers and at least half of them you'd figure are, are definitely getting on the field for significant roles and probably more than that end up playing I mean, Kai Thomas and uh, Savion Morrison, the two running backs um, that they went out and got, both former four-star guys. I think that's excitement, and that helps Devin Neal. And that that not only helps Devin Neal, but you think about where this KU rushing attack was at the end of the season with all the injuries they had. I mean, they had like a walk-on as their backup running back option at one point. Um, This bolsters a running back's room and allows for guys like Daniel Hyshaw coming back from injury uh, it, it allows everyone to get healthy and everyone not to have to do too much. So I think that's one. And then I think defensively, I think Kansas found at least four starters. Uh, Marvin Grant is a starter. Lonnie Phelps is a starter. Um, you mentioned Craig Young. He's a starter. Eric Gilliard could be a starter. Kalen Gervin could be a starter. I mean, that's every level of the defense. So probably not great because that tells you you had a lot of holes to fill. But from you know a perspective of just landing guys who you think can play, I mean, these are power five guys from Purdue, from 
uh, Ohio State from Michigan State. You know, these are these are real players coming in. I think that'll really help Kansas immediately. What do you think that like, why is it Lance and his staff succeed when it comes to the transfer portal? Is it just the I mean, he's kind of proved he can win everywhere he's been. Like, what is it about guys that have played somewhere else that are attracted to come into a program that's frankly been as bad as it gets? Like, what's what's Lance doing to get these guys here? Well, I think one, they well, I was, I was, you know what? I'm going to change up my answer a little bit. Number one is they can play here. Uh, they can play at Kansas, and I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't underrate how much it sucks to go to a team and think you're good enough to play and not play or not play the role you want to play or not play the way you want to play. And in some cases not be around family and not be around the people you want to be around. And those are things that every program in the country that's struggling or or trying to build can capitalize on. And I think it definitely helped KU with Kai Thomas, but um, Kansas can offer the chance to anyone that if you're power five caliber, you're getting on the field, they will find a way to put you on the field, even if they're changing your position. So I think that's one that opens Kansas up to a lot of guys who may have been unhappy with a smaller role. I think too, Lance Leipold, when you like sit down and talk to him, he does not BS you. Like he can be kind of, I don't know if charming is the right word. He's like, he's kind of folksy. Um, he'll tell stories. He'll talk about that. You know, he's, he's got a wide breadth of knowledge, but he doesn't BS. And when it's time to talk, um, you know, about the football aspect of things, he and his staff, you know, they go through extensive film cutups. They, they talk directly about your role, how everything is going to work. And a lot of coaches do that. Coaches explain, obviously, anywhere you would look at transferring what your role would be. But I think the level of detail they bring, especially on that staff and how long they've been together, how much they trust that they kind of know how each sort of other assistant is operating. I think you see a real cohesive unit that can pretty much break down exactly what your role is going to be on the field, how to exemplify, you know, exemplify what you do well in your strengths. And I think that appeals to a lot of guys who maybe feel like their coaches have kind of BS them or promised them something and not delivered or not had a plan for delivering, even if they felt like they've been good enough. Yeah. 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 I love Um, the Go ahead, BJ. Yeah. You already talked about this, but they get Kai Thomas from Minnesota, Savion Morrison from Nebraska, and obviously Devin Neal from Lawrence. Um, He was awesome last year. But I just kind of wanted to ask how you personally see the backfield um, folding and you, do you think KU has like some of the best backs in the conference? I think KU probably has the, the, I don't know if deepest is the right word, but from one to three, the, yeah. I, there is a drop off because I think Devin Neal is the best of that room, but there's not much of a drop off. I mean, that that is a really solid running backs room. And I'd like to tell you it's the best running backs room KU has had in 40 years or whatever. But Kansas had Puka Williams and Khalil Herbert not long oh. ago, and Puka was pretty good and Khalil's in the NFL. So <laughs> yeah. um, that, that was a pretty good tandem. But no, I, I think that's three really good running backs. And Daniel Highshaw, you know, we'll see how he does coming back. But, you know, he came to Kansas with a lot of promises you know, kind of that bowling ball power back. And they involved him in some wildcat packages too. He was quarterback in high school. Um, This is a great running backs room. And that's where I think running back offensive line, that kind of connection, that's where everything starts for Lance Leipold, right? If they can't run the wide zone and, and do it the way that they want to do it, nothing is going to work. And it doesn't matter how talented you are or whatever skills you can bring. And I think kind of the classic example of that would be Like, look what happened to Velton Gardner last year. You know, he was the starting running back before he transferred. 
And yeah. he just could not figure out the system and, and the blocking wasn't always there. And it was just a complete disaster for him to the point where, I mean, I think he had a game where he rushed for negative yards or he was negative <laughs> minus a couple of carries. And then they switched to Devin Neal and he's just tearing through defenses. And so I think it's one of those things system fit running back offensive line that I think gives them the chance to build. And I think they have some really good running backs, which um, we'll see if they can fit into that system. Yeah. my. Think- Oh, you Sorry. Go ahead, uh, I follow up on that. <laughs> My next question was just going to be about the O-line as a whole. I thought they, I mean, they kind of stunk last year to start the year, but as the year went on, it looked like they meshed together. So how, I mean, how beneficial do you think that is that they had a year um, together and how much do you think they'll improve a ton going into this year? Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're going to improve a lot and it's crazy. You you look at some of the guys who have been here, like Armaje Reed Adams, uh, I think he came to KU at like 395 or something. And then he was like 345. I can't, that might've been before uh, Lance Leipold even got here. I think that was like a less miles thing. And I found like an old tweet or something that he had favorited when I had mentioned that he had dropped like 50 pounds and he had responded to it and he liked his reply, um, which is how I saw it. And he said like, (laughs) not done yet or something like I've heard he's gone through another body transformation after the first body transformation. So um, I guess that kind of tops like being in the best shape of your life in training camp. He's like in the best shape of the best shape of his life or something. I don't know. Um, but no, I, I think the line will make a lot of strides. I, I think they, they were legitimately good at the end of last year, which is not something you could say certainly for a while. I mean, in 2020, um, I had an interesting interaction actually with Scott Fuchs, the new offensive line coach about this. Um, in 2020, they were the worst line probably in the history of Power 5 football. I, I don't think that's even up for debate. They gave up nine sacks against Oklahoma. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they got Jalen Daniels injured, and then on the sideline, he got crashed into again while he was out of the game due to injury. I mean, it, it was like nothing I've ever seen. KU football. Um, <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. But um, I asked Scott Fuchs uh, when he took over, which, by the way, that's the most dangerous name to say ever. <laughs> it rhymes with books. That's how I remember. I always wondered how you pronounced it. Fuchs, yeah. um, the, the closest wow. way to the word you can't say. Um, <laughs> I asked him, I was like, where do you start with this? And he gave me a line about how, well, it's not all on the offensive line and the quarterback can do things to help them. And I, it was the most obvious BS in the moment that I've ever received. But it did let me know that like, he was aware of the situation. He had at least watched and he was going to take it on himself and the offense and the staff and all that to say it's going to be a collective thing and watch what happens on the field and judge based off that um and they did improve so i thought i thought that was really impressive and yeah scott fuchs he's he's an interesting (laughs) character and uh yeah has a very hard to say name i secretly just want him to be our next head coach just so (laughs) like lance retires give him the job to just to have that name constantly being said all the signs signs at games and gear (laughs) Ab, yeah. did you have something? Did you have something else on the running backs before we move on? I know. Yeah, if it's not too late, I was just gonna ask what you thought. The, uh, I mean, I know it's hard to tell. It's probably because it's below the game, but I, I would think Neil's the lead back. Do you think it's gonna be split straight three ways, or do you think it's gonna be more like a 50, 30, 20 kind of split, or just kind of however the game's going? I, th- I think 50, 30, 20 is probably the ideal they walk in with, but. You know, one thing I noticed very early about this KU staff is if something is not working, they will get rid of it and get rid of it quickly. Or conversely, if it is working, they will run it into the ground. Um, there was a sequence last year where Devin Neal got eight straight handoffs in a row. Not like eight straight that 
plays that were runs, hands up. No, like they called eight straight runs to Devin Neal in a row. And I think one or two were penalties. Um, so it wasn't like officially on the stat log. But yeah, no, I, I think they'll start with that. But if Devin Neal is clearly the guy, I think his role only gets bigger and bigger as the year goes. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that guy, I just love that he's a local kid and like was showing so much prom and yeah, just so all in on the program. So I hope he's. Hope he's the guy. Um, speaking of other guys from last year, I remember early in the season last year, it felt like Jason Bean was about to like hit his stride. He was the Twitter was going crazy. We love the guy. Um, and then obviously Jalen stepped in late in the year, pretty much. I mean, proved that he was the best quarterback on the roster. But then I was reading an art. I think it was from KU Sports the other day um, about Lance saying that you know. Jason Beans looked really, really good this offseason, and he, I think Jalen's still the guy, but, you know, it wouldn't be KU football without some sort of quarterback controversy or, or competition, I should say, before the season. Do you think Jalen's got that pretty locked up, or, like, does Jason Bean, it made me think, does Jason Bean have a, a shot here? Well, let's see. Um, if you had asked me coming off of Big 12 Media Day, I wasn't there, but I watched, you know, all the, the interviews and stuff they did. Lance kind of made a joke when he was asked if Jalen Daniels was the starter, especially because he brought him there. I think that's a pretty good sign. Um, yeah. and, and he was like, well, I haven't even named Devin Neal the starter, so I'm not, you know, basically naming any starters. But I have to think, you know, Jalen Daniels, not just how well he played, but the decision to pull his red shirt at the end of the year, which, by the way, at the time, I kind of thought was a bad idea. I mean, we, I did. we didn't know for sure that he was going to play that well um, yeah. the last couple games of the year. It, if it had gone terribly, I think you would have looked back at that and said, wow, this guy just wasted a year of eligibility to throw four interceptions and lose by 40 in the last game of the season. Um, he took a risk. He bet on himself. I think it galvanized the team. And I think from that, you I, I don't think you can go back from that guy unless someone really shows you they're better. So um, I like Jalen Daniels to start, but wouldn't shock me if we see Jason Bean at some point this year, just because he's so fast. He's got good physical tools and he could give him a change of pace, but not like in a two quarterback system, more like a, yeah. an occasional wildcat package. So. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Remember when he almost beat Oklahoma until Caleb Williams stole the ball from his running back? And got a first down. Still the flukiest play in like football history. I cannot believe it happened. But uh, yeah, no, Jason Bean, it's one of those things. He's so athletic, so fast that it's like you hate to just have him sitting on the sidelines. And I think we've kind of joked. I think they tried a little bit with him. I mean, they brought him in a few plays at wide receiver, didn't they? Or some sort of action. But I don't know. He's He seems like a guy that could be a weapon somewhere. I just don't know where it's going to be. But. Yeah, I, I think for him, I agree. They, they probably try something. I think they even tried him at running back at one point. I think they would hope to have enough talent around the roster that they don't have to do that. And they can just kind of save him in case they need him. Because the other part of this is when's the last time Kansas made it through a season without a quarterback getting injured. And I think that's where Jason Bean could end up being big too. Yep. All right. Well, so we, a few episodes ago, I think it was me and you, AB, we, mm-hmm. We started going down the schedule, and, you know, we're trying to figure out. And, A.B., correct me if I'm wrong. Is the over-under in Vegas two-and-a-half wins? Yeah, two-and-a-half with some juice on the over. I think it was, like, minus 140 or something like that. Yeah, so we're going through. We're trying to figure out. And, like, as you go through this schedule, obviously you have the, the Tennessee, te- Tennessee Tech. Uh, but, I mean, it's really hard to pick out three, four games that you feel – great about i'm not saying we can't win three or four games but like i think we kind of we had a few people tweeted us like kind of frustrated that we weren't more positive about oh this team's winning four or five games it's just it's not that i don't think this team's made progress it's the big 12 is good houston's in our non-con they're good so it's like i don't know what to you what should a realistic fan expectation be going into this season and then I guess what what kind of are your expectations going into this season well it's interesting you dealt with that um I dealt with something similar just having a conversation with someone Derek Johnson who hosts Rock Shock Sports Talk and Lawrence we were just talking about what success is and he asked the question I, I think it was like if Kansas wins two games but they're close in all the other games or maybe it was three is that success and I said that by itself to me is not success because other, I mean, David Beatty did that. Les Miles did that. Any coach can do that. Um, you can win a few games. That's not hard, especially if you get a couple guys in non-con. Lance did that last year, right? Like I, I what? So. Lance, as, think about that, right? Like they very yeah. easily could have beat Oklahoma. They could have won the last two games they played. They beat Texas. They won. You know, I think they were leading Duke 
in maybe coastal or they were close with coastal in the second half. Like, yeah, yeah, they've done the competitive thing. And if they do that again, after getting a bunch of transfer players, which, you know, the whole point of that is immediate improvement and not having to wait as long, then I would say that's fine. Like very little that Lance Leipold could do this year would alarm me about his future coaching Kansas. I mean, they would have to go over and get killed in every game before I would start thinking like, Maybe year three, the pressure's on a little bit. I, I mean, yeah. I, I just don't see that scenario happening. Um, yeah. I think a realistic expectation is you win the opener comfortably um, and you don't, you know, you don't have to sweat it out. You win one of the winnable Big 12 games and you compete and probably come close, if not win one of the non-con games. Um, and that, boy, that sounds depressing, but... I, I don't. I think they can win more than three. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think three is the most likely positive outcome. Even though I don't, like I said, I don't consider it a great success. I just think it's hard. Um, I think they're still putting a lot of maybe not their culture in, but still getting their system, still getting guys who have been around them. And that's not, you know, they've been around them a year, so that's it's not an excuse of like, oh, there's a bunch of newness. But now you bring in a bunch of transfers, and and again, you're forming the roster. Um, I mean, they just had a situation where they felt like they had too many wide receivers. Like, I don't know many rosters in the country that feel like they're over scholarship at one spot, but under scholarship across the roster. Like, it's a, yeah. it's just kind of a weird balance. So I give them, a, I, I give them a little bit more time, maybe even one more year, um, or maybe next year I would start looking at that win total a little bit more closely. But I think you win a few games, you'd be competitive in a bunch of others. Um, like I said, I'm not throwing a parade. I'm not calling it a great success, but I think that's kind of the bar you start at and anything better than that. I think you're pretty happy. Yeah. That's the thing with me is they got my hopes up at the end of the year last year, like at TCU, they had a chance to win West Virginia. I think they took the lead late. Gavin Potter had that pick six and then JD looked comfortable. Uh, He looks awesome. The O-line made strides throughout the year. Like our running back room's good. And I feel like we got a bunch of D one transfers that will start. And I actually played at like good programs. Like, Jervin or Kalen Jervin or whatever was I think he was going to transfer to Wisconsin after Michigan State but it's like we actually have proven dudes on the defense so in my head I feel like we can beat Tennessee Tech and Duke and then maybe one or two Big 12 games that's how I feel like maybe Texas Tech West Virginia yeah I guess who are the Big 12 teams Scott that you're kind of circling like these are the ones you got to take it bring your A game for yeah, I, Tech, West Virginia, TCU, and then whatever magic has cursed Texas um, is probably hanging around. Although Texas should actually – stop me if you've heard this before. Texas should actually be, like, really good this year. So we'll see. They're back. You heard it here first. No, but – and, like, here's the other thing. I don't want to come off too pessimistic because, look, if Kansas won, like, five games, I would not be stunned beyond belief. And there have definitely been times where I would have said that about a Kansas team where – I would have said if they won like three or four games, I'd be a little bit surprised. So this is not one of those times. I think they're good enough to actually have those things break their way. I just, you know, I I think the thing people um, sometimes on, you know, when you're a fan of a team and you watch, sometimes it's easy to forget, like other teams are allowed to get better too. And so people look at other teams and say, well, look how much better our team got. And it's like, yeah, well, the other team did too. Um, But there are winnable games. Like there are, uh, we were talking before this, TCU is winnable. Tech is winnable. Iowa State is dangerous because um, they have this backup left-handed quarterback who I think kind of like lit up Kansas when he came in. But, I mean, they're a little bit more vulnerable. They lost a ton of starters. You have some non-con games that aren't great. You don't love playing Houston, but you've got some winnable games. I I mean, 
that doesn't mean they're going to win all of them, but it means they at least have a, a little bit of a path to being competitive and being fun. And I think that's a start before you keep going. Was there, was there ever a chance they got out of that Houston game? I know there was rumblings about that. Yeah, there was a lot of rumors about that. I, I mean, I don't know is the answer, but if I were them, I would have tried to get out of that game. Um, I, I would have, it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like when you schedule Duke, um, there's a risk you're going to get blown out by Duke. It happened a few years ago. I think they lost like 41 to three or something. I want to say that was a Charlie yeah. Weiss game. So like yeah. it can happen, but like you feel pretty good when you're like looking at the calendar coming up and you see like, Oh, we got Duke in a couple years or like they're in the non-com, whatever. Houston just sucks. Like, I don't know where that game came from. That was a bad idea when it happened. Um, and it's a bad <laughs> idea now. So it wouldn't shock me if they tried to get out of that it, by by sucks, by the way. I mean, like, Houston is a much better team than you should ideally. Yes, yes, yes. Not Houston sucks as in Houston is bad. No, yeah. I think I think we're all on the same page with that. It, it You just – it's brutal to see Houston. Like, they're just solid, and it would take – I mean, if we win that game, then, like, I am – this fan base is going to be – we're going to be saying some outrageous things on this podcast about expectations and stuff so those preseason be... polls came out today and they're the pick to win the american houston is so. yeah I mean, and that's like i sucks. mean they're not an awesome conference but they've got good teams since the ucf i mean we're just pretty... we're at a point where it's like i don't care how we do it let's get four wins let's get well, three four wins and, and this so is like where, a... where it halts me on that though is like scott just said the winnable conference games are teams that we could like match up with west virginia texas tech those are both road games and obviously yeah. we won out Texas last year, but that was the first conference road win in a decade. So it's like, okay, well, you're never going to – they're probably going to be two touchdown underdogs. And then I guess TCU, Iowa State are both at home. But, like, I, I don't know. It's just – it's – I don't want to sound pessimistic because yeah. it sounds like things yeah. are improving. It just might not show in the record this year. It's just more continuing to build the foundation. <laughs> and then, you know, whatever comes from that, it'll happen. I, I, will, but... say, I, I will say one thing, um, agreeing with you completely – the one, the one thing that tips this, and I think the one thing that legitimately tips the scales, is Jalen Daniels. Like, we saw how good Jalen Daniels was at the end of the year. And I'll say, if he plays as well as, as he did at the end of the year the whole season, they're going to win four, five, six games. Like, clip if he's that, that, tweet it, clip it. If he's <laughs> that good, if he's that good I, I'm not skeptical that he's going to – like, I think he, it's in him to be that good. Yeah. I am skeptical we will see that level of consistently excellent quarterback play, and that's not a knock on him. That's just he was as good as any quarterback in the Big 12 down the stretch yeah. of the last season. So I think that's the thing that that kind of tips the scales here. If he is legitimately ready for his Todd Reesing breakout season, then I, expectations are changed. But yeah. like I said, I, I, think, I think that's still a ways away. Yeah, I love it. Here's um, what I want. I want yeah. – you better beat Tennessee Tech, and then you go to West Virginia. I think we can hang with them. Probably lose it to Houston, but if you hang, everyone's happy. And then you beat Duke. You're 2-2 two and two with Iowa State coming to Lawrence. They're one of the lower teams in the Big 12. I think that would be super exciting to start the year off like that and maybe bring some fans out for the Iowa State game. And if you oh, beat oh, yeah. West Virginia, I know we're not going to start 3-1, and one, but – if you can make you beat West, this is what we do. If you can beat West Virginia and be two and one playing Duke at home, that would be an exciting game day at the booth. Yeah, and that I mean with KU they football, got, like that's what you just want. Like, get me exciting. I mean, we joke about this game now, but the week leading up to the K State game in Memo at Memorial with Les, <laughs> Les is talking 
trash on the on the uh, documentary thing or whatever. Like, we got embarrassed and it sucked. But the buzz leading up to that is something we hadn't felt in years for KU football. So I think that's just what I want. I just want some buzz and some confidence heading into a game. If we lose, we lose. But let's just get some momentum going. I think that's how the end of last year felt. Um, Scott, I got one more question for you, and it's it's honestly kind of a – almost a negative one that I wish we weren't, I wasn't ending it with, but like, I'm curious. I just said it. We've had our hopes up before and things have gone poorly. I think back to like a Nichols state game. Uh, I think back to a coastal Carolina game. What, what, what will this fan base, like what has to happen for this fan base to, I guess, what is the worst case scenario this season for KU football, where you think the fan base may, for the first time, start to be negative towards Lance. Like, I don't think he's had that yet. I think everyone's pretty all in. I know there's been things about local recruiting or whatever, but I don't know. I'm just kind of curious, like, what's the thing where we do an episode and we're completely melting down because of what we're seeing this team and this staff do during this season? Well, I'll stick with what kind of happened to Les Miles. Um, a little bit, but he got the chance to rebound because you'll remember, you know, they lost to Coastal Carolina 12-7, and then the next week they hung 48 on Boston College. And so everyone yeah. forgot about that very quickly. And, in yeah. fact, you know, if they change some things up at offensive coordinator a little earlier in the season, that's a team that probably has a, maybe a couple more wins, and we're talking about that year just entirely differently. Um, if KU starts like 0-4, I, I, again, I, I don't think Lance Leibold can – there is very little he could do this year that I, I would even start to be like next year is a make or break year for him. I mean, yeah. it would have to be a a real disaster, but I think you start 0-4 and I think the quarterback play is just bad and there there isn't that growth. Jalen Daniels comes back down to earth. Maybe they switch to Jason Bean. He can't figure it out. I think that's when fans probably start to get a little bit restless, but it's funny you mentioned that K-State game. Um, that year was fun. I, that was the most fun three and nine team ever. And maybe that's it because they, they let Iowa state in the fourth quarter. They led Texas with a minute left. They could have beat West Virginia. They could have beat coastal Carolina. Like they were in all those games. And I mean, that's like seven counting the three games they won. That's seven games you're in. Um, so many of which were down to the wire. I think three or four of them, and basically everything other than Iowa state was down to the last possession of the game. Um, yeah. that was really fun football. If they do something like that this year, uh, I think people will be really excited. And because I think I would give Lance Leipold and the staff a significant coaching edge, like game day over the less miles staff, they probably win more of those games than the less miles staff did. The, the Texas tech game that year was so funny when they, <laughs> I just well, they watched those highlights the other day. It's unbelievable. Block the field goal and the dude pitches it backwards. We get it. Kick it next play. Les was trying to call timeout after a turnover too. That always made me laugh. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that game was incredible. The tech yeah. and the game in uh, Austin was insane. That stretch. Cause I think was that almost like a three week stretch. We went, Texas beat Texas Tech and then had K-State or something like it was yeah. all tied together so for like a three-week stretch we had the thrill of being like Top a true college football fan base that looked forward to Saturdays and then K-State just came in and just finished Scott, like, Scott you should have heard this podcast when we talked about that K-State game like before the game it's like a two win by it's like a yeah two or three point spread AB tweets that we're gonna win by 21 
I'm on here saying Skylar Thompson sucks. Like K State's not that good. The booth's gonna be packed, and then the concession stands run out of food and beer in the first quarter. Yeah. No, oh, I, that was a sad day. That was a that was a bummer. That I've never covered. Look, I've covered some bad games. Like I've covered. 60 to 6 against Baylor. I wasn't traveling at the time, but I covered back to back 42 nothing, 45 nothing shutouts. Um, I have not covered a day that was more of a, a bummer than that Kansas State game. Um, although, after the fact, miles to go getting edited to cut out the who is K State was, oh uh, remains one of the funniest things that's happened while I was on the team. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask one more thing, just I feel like. Um, a lot of people probably don't know like the depth chart and things like that, or like what position groups are going to be good. So I wanted to ask like, what's a position group that could surprise what's the position group you really like and what's the position group you really worry about? Well, I think for worry, and it's been this way for a while, say for maybe one less miles year, um, wide receivers right now are a worry. Um, That's in fact, he almost lost LJ Arnold. Um, he entered the portal, then came back. I think that was big because I think he's a starter. Um, I think you're relying on a lot of guys or trusting guys that the last staff brought in and hoping they end up being really good because the Lance uh, Leipold staff made it clear that they felt like there were too many wide receivers on the roster and they were really going to be averse um, to taking guys. Now, they they did end up taking one transfer, but um, that's a unit that it's pretty much guys who have been here. So I think that's one you're, you're feeling a little shaky on. I actually like uh, the secondary a lot more than a lot of people. I think um, secondary's been problematic. I, I think, and, and at the cornerback position, you have Kalen Gervin, so you feel good maybe about one spot, and then you're kind of looking at the other side. and And there are a few names, a few guys who are younger. Um, but look, like Jacoby Bryant came to Kansas. Everyone was really excited about him. Um, let's see, you know, give him a chance yeah. to develop. Let's see if he breaks out and turns out to be good. Um, I'm not really high on Romello Dotson, but. Previous staffs have been. So, you know, maybe they see something that, that can develop. And I think uh, the safety position will be Kansas's, other than running back, probably the strongest position this year yeah. with Kenny Logan and Marvin Grant. So I think safety secondary could be better than people think, although may still be a concern. Wide receiver is a definite concern. And I also think the defensive line, um, they pretty much brought everyone back other than Kyron Johnson. And Lonnie Phelps is the guy who's going to take his place. So, if it develops, um, you know, if it's as good as it was last year, it'll be okay, not good enough to swing games, but not bad enough to kill you every week. Um, if it improves, then it could actually be a legitimately good unit. So um, I think those are some of the areas I would highlight. Well, thanks for convincing yeah. me that we're going bowling. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah. happening. I, you, you heard it here first. Please do clip that, by the way. I'll, I'll yeah. take it. I love it. We have to clip that. But yeah, no, I think this was good. We, uh, as we kind of joked, you know, we've, We've had some bad KU football takes before, so we had to get someone on here to just get us level-headed, give us some actual knowledge instead of just riding off emotion and, and hope. Um, so, yeah, this was good. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, you have a new show coming out on the Kansas City Sports Network starting, I believe, next week. Do you know which day it's starting? Is it Tuesdays? I think I the goal is Tuesday, but I think it's a little bit fluid at this point. Okay. Well, either way, the booth review, an elite name. Uh, it's coming next week. They're gonna do KU football analysis. You can't if you haven't listened to Quint Kent before. I'm sure most people have. But the guy's as good as it gets, and you just heard Scott. So they're gonna kill it. It's gonna be good. Um, but we appreciate you coming on. This was good. 
Thanks for having me. And yeah, Booth Review, the only podcast named by Jeff Long, uh, personally. So. <laughs> oh, best AD, oh, best AD in KU history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a legend. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Rock Chalk.